to No More Mondays, the podcast that helps you navigate career challenges through the wisdom of professionals who have been at the same crossroads. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees who are here to share their practical, tactical advice and some inspiration on how they arrived at career and life satisfaction. From job searching and career changes to going out on your own, we are breaking down barriers and providing actionable takeaways to help you take charge of your Mondays and ditch those Sunday blues. Welcome to No More Mondays. Hello, everybody, and welcome to No More Mondays. I am your host, Angie Callen, and get ready. We've got a third-party recruiter in the house. So, captive audience, you can already hear him. Have you and, and, uh, and you can already hear it because have you ever just met one of those people that you like click with? Well, Gianni Portali is one of those people for me, and I am excited for you to hear about his journey, his infectious personality uh, that has gotten him into recruitment, where he's going to give us some tips on how to leverage those relationships. But also you're going to hear a really inspiring career story because Gianni is a rising professional who is killing it in his career path in recruitment. In the two and a half years since he and I worked together, disclaimer, uh, to where he landed at Whitecap Search in New York, uh, he's been promoted four times, if I count right, and has moved from a staff associate, basically entry-level recruiter, all the way to a senior director in what we call has his own desk and a business portfolio of, of relationships and, and open rec. So this is going to be a really fun conversation. No doubt you will love his energy, personality. Get ready. We're going to talk really fast, so you better keep up. Uh, and we're going to learn about how he's climbed the ladder and how he's helping candidates out there find great roles. So Gianni Portali, welcome to No More Mondays. Angie, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I think that when Angie Morosco talks to Gianni Portali, everybody should just look out because yeah. we're going to be two Italians yeah. and they should just, you know, get ready. Just two people talking <laughs> back and forth nonstop, like a million miles per minute. Yeah. But- and, and we're going to probably violently agree about some stuff yeah. and, get, and get into some heated discussions, but they're all they are, just what happens when two Italians agree about something. Oh, yeah, so. for sure. We're super passionate. That's that's what you got to love about us, you know, but. Exactly. And you and, and I love that you found this career area yes. for you. And this is exactly where I want to start. So for everybody out there, I'm going to set the scene. We're going to kind of have two conversations today. We're going to start with giving you Johnny's career story, because It's really cool. It's really inspiring what he's doing as a younger and rising professional. But then we're also because I would be, you know, hung out to dry if I didn't take advantage of you as somebody in a hiring process, you know, getting kind of that advice as a recruiter. So let's start with you. Tell us about what you're doing at Whitecap Search. Yeah. So I've been at Whitecap now for about two years and two months, which is pretty crazy. feels like yesterday we were working together, um, you know, on my job search. Um, But since then, I kind of started off, believe it or not, I'll kind of start with the before. So essentially, right, like when we were working together, I was working at another company, kind of just staring at a computer all day, like living in Excel. And I'm like, I'm all over the place. I've always been like that since I was a kid. I like to, you know, obviously talk and like build relationships. And I just felt, you know, being at a college at that point in 2021, I was at a college for two years Um, you know, and I kind of felt like, Hey, this isn't what I want to do for the rest of my life. This is not something that, you know, I see myself kind of progressing in long term. Um, you know, I really need to make a change. So I kind of took a leap, left my job at that point. 
um, you know, and needed a second. I needed at least like a month to kind of figure out, all right, what am I doing next? And they always kind of say, like, especially when you don't have a plan, like sometimes that's like the best time of your life because you're kind of just figuring out like what you really want to do. Um, so essentially reached out to Angie because I saw her ad on, on Google, five-star reviews. I was like, all right. I was talking to my mother and you know, Italian. I didn't hire, I did not hire him yeah. to give me a shameless plug everyone. And my mother, my mother's like, well, she has five stars and Italian moms. If that's one thing you know about Italians, they are so involved in their son's lives. Like that is just how they are. And you know, she was like, well, you need to figure this out. And like, I had like a million different voices in a million different directions. Um, so I think that that was kind of the, you know, kind of the end all be all there, but essentially met with Angie. And then I get a random call from my now boss, who is one of my close friends here. He's looked out for me, helped me kind of build my career up. He, you know, I was laying by my pool. He's like, Hey, like, you know, I have this position because essentially when you work with a third party kind of recruitment vendor, we, you know, obviously support our clients. Like that's like our number one priority, right? They hire us to find like the best, you know, kind of professionals, you know, for the roles that they currently have open. So he's like, Hey, have this position, you know, I think you would be great for it. So long story short, I ended up interviewing for it didn't do well on the interview, because I think I was just so fresh, like, out of being out of a job. So they ended up passing, but he was like, Hey, like, love your energy, would love to work with you. Um, you know, so like, why don't you come on board here? So like, I, you know, came to white cap, we were headquartered, um, right on Vanderbilt in New York City. So I, I came in, I had second thoughts before going in, like, you know, especially like as, you know, not not really a new grad, but like someone that's two years out of school, like, I think the jitters are more common than not. Like, I, I kind of was just so nervous. So I, I went in, I was well, honestly, I, I have to say, like, I was welcomed with open arms. And I think that was my biggest thing, Angie, from what you remember, like, just, you know, I wanted to be able to yep. work in an environment where I felt supported because I haven't really been able to kind of feel that before. So essentially, they were interviewing me um, to start our professional services division. So that means like, you know, any job within, you know, like a corporate environment. So like accounting finance, HR and talent acquisition, you know, technology, so on and so forth. Like they wanted us to, they wanted me to kind of help, um, you know, my boss with kind of building out that division, like being the recruiter that supports him because he's bringing in all the clients and I thought wow like I actually have like a purpose to kind of build something right like it's kind of entrepreneurial um so you know that's essentially what sold me so started there as an entry-level recruiter um you know within six months like it, it takes I would you know I would say especially in my field it takes a good like two to three months to fully get the flow you have to be like someone that's super driven fast paced um you know and obviously very money oriented at the end of the day so you know, within a couple months with their training, like our training program here is, you know, was definitely great. Helped me get up to speed. Within six months, got promoted to senior associate, which is where they kind of helped me, um, you know, start managing the client relationships rather than the candidates. So I was doing both, which is pretty interesting. Well, and I want to jump in. Let me jump in real quick, because that's the that's where you are like almost the almost the job function changed. Yeah. But I want to go back and I want to point out a couple things that were in the in like, let's say the, the finding, finding yourself component, because I want, I want to reiterate something that you maybe glossed over, but Gianni interviewed for a job that white cap was placing for a client. Yeah. And, and he didn't, he didn't get that job, but the recruit recruiter was like, maybe I want to hire you. 
And, and the point I want to make there is that I don't think, and, and I don't want to get into this, but I also think there was like another recruitment position that we were, you were yeah, looking at was. another company at the same time. And, and recruiting was not on our, I don't no, think it, it was wasn't. a part of our original job search strategy for you, but the universe is saying, Gianni, I think you're supposed to come be a recruiter. Exactly. And look at this door that had opened because the point I want to make here, and this is, this is important no matter where you are at in your career, but I want to make this, I really want to call this out for anybody who's younger out there as a lot of times there's, there's this like analysis paralysis or perfectionism yeah. to make this really perfect move. And had you stuck to the original strategy that we had for you, you would not be where be you are today place. because you would have said, yeah. no, thanks, white cap search. I'm going to stick to the original job search that I had. So look at this amazing door that opened uh, completely where you're supposed to be. And, and it's helped you accelerate this career. For so sure. now talk more about what you're doing, you know, at the second, like the second tier. Of yeah, recruitment. the second tier. So, you know, essentially, you know, got, um, you know, obviously started training for, you know, speaking with clients, because when you speak with candidates, you can be a little bit more, you know, personalized, right? Like, it's almost like I'm calling Angie, like, what's up, and you know what I mean? Like, you want to build like a good relationship from that standpoint, but with, you know, our clients, like these are really like top tier, you know, professionals. So we have to be able to kind of communicate in kind of like a business oriented language and understand like, you know, kind of the the ebbs and flows of, of that specific client. So I honestly, you know, after the training I received, like was able to kind of spearhead that and kind of just almost have two separate personalities, right? Like, it's like, you know, this professional, like, you know, this young professional speaking with the clients we're working with, and then, you know, speaking with the candidates at the same time. And that makes you a triple, like a double threat. You know what I mean? Because if you know exactly what the client wants, and you, you know, you, you go out and obviously help find, you know, that specific talent for the roles that are open, like that's just that just makes you unstoppable, right? Because you you heard from the horse's mouth. Um, so essentially, you know, started obviously managing accounts from that standpoint, um, and then got promoted, you know, did very well kind of managing both and then got promoted to director, um, in July of 2022. And then they tasked me third job tasked me, uh, to manage a team of four at the time. Right. So that was, I was managing clients, um, obviously managing the art. Now you're the triple threat. Triple threat. Yep. And honestly, like I, the best decision to be honest, because now I feel that like, if maybe one day they decide, Hey, why don't you run an office? And at this point I have training in all the three different sectors. Like uh, that makes you irreplaceable. Right. So essentially like love the training and development portion of it, because I think if you're able to kind of help people, um, you know, obviously understand the business and, and so on and so forth, like, you know, it's almost like kind of having three or four of you, you know what I mean? And then that makes a great team, mm. you know, and we're a very team oriented business. So I think that that's definitely, you know, a huge advantage point, but sorry, I'm rambling, but, um, but yeah. Well, no, no, you're rambling in a good yeah. way because, you know, this idea of having the triple threat, yeah. right? You can manage client relationships, which, which are the companies who are engaging yeah. you to hire for them. You can manage candidate relationships in that recruiter function, but now also you can lead teams of people yep, doing exactly. that, which is amazing. And and in my mind, when I think about like the why or how were you able to like move up to managing a team yeah. of four people in like almost in less than a year, just a little over a year, 
right? I think a big reason is because you're willing to say like, you almost are willing to say yes. And I mean that in a healthy way, right? It's like, heck yeah, I'm going to try it out. Heck yes, I will do this thing that you've given me an opportunity to do. Yeah, exactly. And like, I think especially in life, like sometimes, you know, taking risks is definitely, uh, you know, a yields high reward at the end of it. But, um, you know, and then essentially, when that started, my boss was like, hey, why don't you, you know, start to just manage the client side? Like, why don't you just make that your full time thing? Obviously, acquire clients, so on and so forth. So I was like, all right, you know what, I haven't had like one sole function in a bit, like, let me try that out. So since then, since July of 2022, I've just been focused on you know, bringing in new clients and obviously supporting our existing ones. And honestly, like it definitely made me, I think, a little bit more professionally mature, for sure, because I, I feel like when you have one kind of mask on all day, like, you know, it, it kind of just makes it easier. So you're not kind of going back and forth. But I think like, especially being like, a, you know, a third party recruitment vendor, like, I, I'm very big on relationships and, and honesty, because I think that when we're supporting our clients, like they need to know, you know, what's going on in the market, right? Like I have clients that ask me all the time, like, hey, like, what are you seeing in the, you know, the candidate market right now? I'm like, well, you know, they're not really doing eight interviews anymore. That's not something that, you know, is kind of on the horizon. It's more of like, you know, it's definitely more of a candidate market from what I'm seeing, but I know we'll get into that a little bit later, but you know, essentially- Well, let's just, I say, let's go. Let's go. You, you took us there and, and let's go. Cause Speaking of the market, you just dropped a term that everybody out there is going, it's really a candidate market, yeah. right? Because so I, I want I want this perspective, because what's interesting about you just from the career perspective, as we as we kind of shift to now giving us the intel is you came into this during the firestorm of hiring that was, you know, 21, 22, and then things shifted uh, you know, the pendulum swung and now maybe maybe it's starting to settle a little bit in a happy medium. So uh, I want to put this conversation and give this a little bit more of a timestamp than I often do. So uh, we're recording this conversation in mid-August. It is 23, uh, but but mid-August of 23. Uh, so we've just come out of the summer slump. Yeah. Labor Day is around the corner. So I want to, uh, you know, my first loaded question for you is what do you see happening in the market right now? And what do you think is coming over the next few months? Yeah. So I, I think from experience, like right after Labor Day, it's going to be crazy. I, I think that I, hope. I I am telling you right now, like last year, you know, even like right after Labor Day was the busiest time I think I've ever seen. And I think this year it's going to be even crazier because everyone's been saving their budgets for this so-called recession, recession, right? So, you know, when they realize, hey, like I have maybe you know, a million left in my budget. Like, let's let's hire all these people. Like, let's create like teams. Like, that's something that I feel like will happen, like with a lot of the clients we're working with. I think we were so nervous because the banks were crashing, you know, all this stuff was going on the beginning half of the year. But I, I'm telling you, like, after, you know, having cut of my ear on both sides, like, you know, a lot of our clients are going to be ready to, to kind of make that move and, and hire not just one, but like five people, you know, five candidates out of time. I wondered. Yeah. I wondered, you just said something that I've been, I would say, hoping, observing in my I like to play uh, economist from time to time. Uh, And also, side note, we're actually recording this on the exact day that the August career newsletter is going to hit your inbox and I haven't finished writing it yet. So who knows what from this conversation is going to leak out via a newsletter. But I actually wondered because 
there's still some some economists or some projections about a recession. They've gone they've gone down pretty significantly. Then there's this idea of like a rolling recession where we're not going to see this giant bottoming out across the board, but just different, you know, different challenges that like ebb and flow across different industries, which is going to make the whole situation a lot more palatable than what we saw from like, you know, 08 to 2011. And I've been wondering because of that, and I'm, I'm thinking you're validating it and want you to respond to this, that everybody held back a little in the first half of the year trying to see what happened. Tech went through its giant transformation, yeah. which made people nervous. Now that we've gotten on the other side of the summer slump, I'm wondering if there is some budget and some confidence to now find a nice middle new normal ground. You know, I think that's a great point. I, I definitely kind of have heard both sides. I, I do think, you know, it really just varies on sector, right? Like we saw a tech crash, right? Like tech completely crashed. Like we, you know, Nobody, nobody wants to use that term, Gianni, yeah. but that's what happened. Yeah, I know. Seriously, like I'm just going to be, I'm a straight shooter. Like I'll just say technology yeah. really just kind of took a huge hit. And I think that they laid off way too many people. Um, you know, a lot of companies did at that point. And now I'm starting to kind of see that slow rebuild, right? Like that's kind of yeah. what I'm starting to see. And I feel that even, you know, because banking kind of took a, a big hit as well, right? So they're, they kind of did the same thing, laid off too many people, but now they're starting to build back up. Like, you know, it's not as bad as, as 08 with Lehman Brothers. Like, that's not what's what's kind of happening here, you know? And, and I do think that they, you know, we, we were kind of scared a little bit, you know, more than we should be. And, um, you know, that's why I feel like kind of these news outlets are kind of just, you know, kind of saying, hey, like, you know, this is going to be going on for the next five years, but it's like, when is this happening? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I still feel like companies are hiring, you know, more than more than normal. Right. And especially like last year, they were saying the same thing. And it's like, well, when is this happening? You know, I know. last year. And, and was it I can't remember. I think it was I think it was 21. I had July of 21. I had like 41 people get jobs in 30 days. It was it was nuts. But yet, if you whatever media, if you wanted, you could hear the oh, it's a terrible market story. And I you hit the nail on the head. First of all, I like that you just call, like the spade a spade, right? Tech crashed and now it's rebuilding. And what I think that crash was, was a knee jerk reaction to probably what was like what has been overhiring yeah. a long time of overhiring. And then straw that broke the camel's back was a surge in hiring in 21 and 22 knee-jerk reaction to correct that by cutting a lot. Yeah. And now they're bringing back in in a more strategic way because they see where their critical, you know, their critical needs are. And that that may end up working out in, you know, in our favor in the in the long run. It just didn't feel very good for for the six months we were dealing with it. And, you know, you the other thing that I think is important is like, let's look at perspective here for a second. And this is the kind of stuff I like to look at and I think is really interesting the hiring climate right now is very similar to like 2018 and 19. Yes. We just got so used to the the recovery from 2020 that was the hiring frenzy from the beginning of 21 all the way until about a year ago. Yeah. We got so used to that feeding frenzy that we forgot that what we're seeing right now is normal. kind of the long-term normal. It's normal. I'm yeah. telling you, like even, you know, I've had conversations with friends that are, you know, in varying industries. And it's like, and they've been, you know, because it's interesting, because this is kind of a sidetrack, but I'm, you know, 27 years old, like, you know, and, and I have friends now, because especially since working in this industry, I have friends that are, you know, 
obviously a little bit more seasoned, right? So like they've kind of seen it all, um, you know, and they kind of- Gianni, are you calling me old? No, you're not old. You're 15. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but, uh, but so, you know, after speaking with them, they're like, hey, like, you know, 2021, 2022, like 2022 was, you know, obviously super busy. But like before that, like, you know, that this was kind of similar to like, you kind of hit it like at 2018, 2019, like this is what normal hiring looks like. I think just like everyone is- you know, kind of expecting like, all right, like, let's just hire, you know, Joe Schmo off the street and and kind of just call it a day. Like, you know, that was what it kind of was. So like, you didn't even have to be qualified sometimes. Um, but I do think that we, you know, it's kind of normalized now. I, I do think that we've reached a point where, you know, yep. we're, we're out of the danger zone, you know, and I think that we kind of got to recognize that. Like, I, I would be nervous if I was like, Angie, like, you know, uh, all the companies we're working with, everyone's laying off. That's not the case. Like, you know, so. Okay. So this is, okay, awesome. Because now I want you to get, this is the thing is you're, 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 we're talking to somebody who is directly engaged with the hiring side. And I want, I want you to explain how that all works to people in a second. Yeah. However, we're talking to somebody who, and, and not, we're not talking like one company here as a third party recruiter engaging with a lot of companies who are all hiring, which builds some trust that what you're seeing yeah. is reflective of the bigger market. And I think what's really important to remember and to and to recognize is that 21 and 22 were the anomalies. What we're in right now is not the anomaly. It's it's the normal. Yes, it's tight in response to the the, the little bit of a crash we saw at the beginning of the year. But for all intents and purposes, this is exactly like we both said at the same time, this is the normal. This is the normal. So as, as you're engaging with these companies who are hiring, I want you to, ex to explain how that looks as a relationship, right? So how are you involved in the yeah. hiring process? How do you engage in those kind of two sides? I think it would help everybody to see behind the curtain and understand the role and the relationship of a third-party recruiter in that bigger picture. For sure. So essentially, I'll kind of go step-by-step step here just so everyone can kind of understand. Um, so essentially, right, like let's say I'm just using a random company named J.P. Morgan Chase, right? Someone in their risk department says, hey, you know, we need about three risk consultants to join the team, right? And they have had no luck with their current, like, internal HR department. Like, let's say they've, you know, put out ads, they're not able to find, you know, the, the correct talent, or maybe someone that kind of fits the, you know, the work culture that they're looking for, right? Um, then that's when they'll kind of, you know, decide, hey, like, let's reach out to a trusted agency partner, let's see what they have. Because when you're, you know, obviously an agency, we work with over 300,000 candidates, like I'm telling you, just in our database, we have over 300,000 candidates, right? In all different fields. So when the recruiter on LinkedIn doesn't write back to you, that's why, that's everyone. Why. That's why. <laughs> it's not because, and, and that's another thing because I try, I get a ton of messages too. I try to respond to every single one, but like, we're all human. Sometimes like it's, you know, you get bogged down by maybe the day to day, but you know, I, I do think like if you're blatantly ignoring someone throughout like an interview process, then that's a problem. I would say like if a message is improperly received, then like maybe just shoot a follow-up note. Hey, haven't heard from you, but that's a story for another, <laughs> that's a story for another day. But um, essentially, you know, like I said before with JP Morgan, right? Like if they decide, you know, they can't find the right talent through their internal team, they might, you know, kind of come together with HR and kind of say, hey, I've had no luck. 
you know, we haven't been able to find the right talent, you know, internally, let's reach out to an agency because they have a candidate pool of thousands, people that you wouldn't even be able to find like on normal, you know, websites. So like, if you go on like LinkedIn, I think, I mean, everyone has access to LinkedIn talent pool, but I think, you know, we, we kind of have like our own little marketing tool just in terms of, you know, what types of candidates we're able to kind of attract, like, you know, especially with like a JP Morgan, they might attract one type of candidate, right? But as a search firm, we attract all different types of candidates, right? So if they're not interested in one specific job that you might have within like an internal organization, they might be interested in something else that we're working on, right? But we're able to kind of persuade and and kind of speak the truth to them like, hey, this is a great opportunity for you, you got to work, you know, you should you should try it out. Because the internal team might not feel the need to kind of have to oversell themselves. We do. Because agencies do have kind of a reputation of like, all right, maybe this person, you know, maybe this agency is just going to ghost me or, you know, I've had a bad experience with the recruiter. But you have to make sure that when you go out to an agency, you trust who you're working with. And I think our firm does like a phenomenal job of, of obviously, you know, building relationships and keeping them like I know people here that have had you know, the same candidates they've been working with for 15 years, same clients, 15 years. So that's essentially when a company might decide, right? So when that happens, you know, they might reach out to one of like someone on like the sales side, we call it. So someone that's handling clients. So then from there, we obviously get a contract written up because we can't be placing people with a client if, you know, we don't have something that kind of covers like indemnification, like both sides, right? Like, Let's say you hire someone and the person just ends up being a nightmare, right? Like we don't want to be indemnified as, you know, the problem when you're supervising, right? So that's why we have contracts in place. So essentially from there, um, they'll release the searches to us, right? And then immediately we set up a call with them, like with the hiring managers, like, hey, if they're like, we have eight rounds, we're like, guys, no one is going to want to sit through an eight, like a process for eight rounds. I'm telling you right now, we should do you know, one to two. So we kind of have that profitability of just kind of speaking to them as market experts, like, hey, like, this isn't going to work for you. This is why people are not going to your jobs, right? Because there's eight rounds, like you got to hear it from us, because we have other clients that are, you know, obviously moving at a faster clip. So it's good for them to kind of hear from the horse's mouth, like, hey, you know, your process isn't working. And they'll take our word because we're just screening and calling candidates all day. We're working with other clients, you know what I mean? So if a regular candidate said that to someone that, you know, they apply to internally, it's not going to sit well. They're going to be like, all right, well, this, you know, this person just wants to get a job here and they're being difficult. You know what I mean? It's kind of just seen differently. Um, you know, so, so that's kind of just the benefit of working with a recruiter because we're vouching for you. We want you to get the job because essentially, like, we wouldn't want to just screen and call candidates all day without any sort of you know, return for you and, you know, obviously a good career future. So hopefully that answered the question. <laughs> totally. And it took me to the other side of the equation, which I wanted to talk about and spend a little bit more time on, which is how do candidates engage with you and make the most of this relationship? Because, yeah. you know, a few a few things that that come up on that on the, on the client side, you know, with somebody like Gianni working with a JP Morgan is, you know, they have influence over uh, hiring requirements, job descriptions, interview processes. I don't know if you heard Johnny mention the fact that like, hey, let's do two interviews instead of eight. Everyone loves you now. Yeah, exactly. right? so, there, so there's an influence there 
uh, because they, you know, somebody like Johnny's got a, a, a finger on the pulse of the candidate experience a little bit more. So when we get into the candidate side of this engagement, you know, you mentioned, for instance, that there's people who have, have worked with a, you know, a candidate that's worked with people at White Cap for like 15 years. You can actually build these relationships. Yeah. And, and, and the piece I'll bring up here is that I get like when I talk to people that haven't job searched in about more than 10 to 12 years, they still think that headhunting exists. And that while there are a handful of headhunters out there now, I don't recommend them. They're exorbitantly expensive and they don't give you any guarantees. Yeah. But for for most part, that function that people like me knew when I started my career has died and recruitment is purely a company-driven activity. Exactly. But where you as an individual can bridge the gap is with engaging with recruiters, whether they're internal or third party, to build these kinds of relationships mm -hmm. so that you're front of mind when a role or a rec comes open on your client side, right? Yeah. So talk to me more about how a candidate can and 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 can productively engage with somebody like you um you know to to kind of almost become their own headhunter and and build these kinds of relationships how do we do that how do we do that so i would say the best way like you know i, I think it's just human decency like i think when people reach out and they're like find me a job i need a job that doesn't make me want to respond to you it's like all right i'm already doing a million different things per day and then now you just added something else like i would proactively reach out, whether it's via LinkedIn, you know, you see something online, and it's tied to a recruiter, like I would just shoot them a note, like, hey, you know, need your advice, like need your help. You know what I mean? Like, I need some sort of input on what I should be doing, you know, on my job search. When someone sees that, like, if I see that message, and I've gotten that before, I will literally make time, I will stop what I'm doing, and I will call you. You know what I mean? Because that's someone that's in need. But if you come off like, okay, find me, you need to find me a job now. Like, here's my number, here's my resume. It's like, well, I don't even know you yet. Why would I represent you if I don't know you, right? Because if I, you know, if I was just doing that with every person that shoots messages out, like, we really aren't, you know, properly screening and qualifying the people that we're, we're talking to. So I would say if I was like on the other side, I would shoot definitely like a nice note, like, hey, you know, currently on my job search, love to hear what you're seeing in the market, would obviously love to network and get to know you further. And, you know, and, and even, you know, receiving that, like, that would make me want to even be friends with you. You know what I mean? Like, I, that's how you build friendships, like good long term relationships. So I think just being a little bit more soft with the reach out to a recruiter, like whenever you have time, right, because we're people, we, we have a lot of stuff that we're doing. So, you know, we, we love to stop and, and drop everything for you. But that's just, you know, that's just not the way the cookie crumbles, if that makes sense. So my just to kind of sum it up, just reach out, shoot a nice note. Hey, we'd love to get your advice. You know, let's network, you know, so let's get lunch. Like, you know, let's meet in person. Like, that's the type of thing that I think, you know, a lot of people should really focus on doing. The operative word in the last three minutes of conversation is relationship. Yes. <laughs> I have, I am starting to, I'm, I'm trying to own the hashtag humans still matter on LinkedIn. And I think I will, because basically I'm the first one that's ever used yeah. it. But that's, that's really what it comes down to is we're all humans. And if you treat each other as a human with genuine, authentic interest in building a relationship, this whole concept of networking becomes much more approachable. The whole idea of finding recruiters who will become good allies becomes more reasonable as well. And so where I will 
just give a piece of recommendation. Cause I don't, I don't get, I don't put career coach hat on a lot on no more Mondays. So here comes like a practical piece of advice that I think I've typed on LinkedIn about 17 times just today is that if, you know, networking is a lifetime investment. However, most people don't do it until they need to, when you, when you need a job. However, when you need to network because you need a job, it doesn't necessarily leave as much time to build relationships. So if you do it proactively and you say, hey, I live in the New York area. I know Gianni's a recruiter in my region. I'm just going to proactively reach out to him, get on his radar and build a relationship, even though I am in an okay place and I'm not actively job searching. That that will lead you somewhere so much better in the long run than Gianni. I had a, I had to pull, I, I'm on the oh shit handle and I need your help. I got to have a exactly. job, right? That's, it's, it, it just doesn't work as well. So if you proactively do this and you never stop, right? You nurture, you, you build that network, you nurture it. It will return for you in spades. Exactly. I agree. And I think that, you know, especially if you're like a current, not even if you're just passively kind of looking right now, like I think you know, it's, it's always good to be prepared, make the right connections, make sure you, you know, reach out to the, that recruiter that you're kind of just seeing post on LinkedIn, like establish that relationship now, because when the time comes, we'll be, you know, we'll be ready to go. And, and you already have a relationship established rather than, you know, kind of worrying about your resume, got to get up to date and then trying to find someone that you could kind of talk to, you know, so that, that, that's kind of my mentality. Yeah. Or what happens if you find somebody in your search results because they fit the avatar you're looking for, you reach out to them and they're just not prepared because they haven't updated their resume in over a year. Definitely keep your resume updated. I recommend like refreshing it at least every six months. Three is better because you should always be prepared. Even if you love your job, you never know what opportunities may come your way. And I think it is a valuable experience to be open to conversations. It doesn't mean you're disloyal. It, you know, it purely means I'm always prepared if something curious comes my way so that I can have that initial conversation for somebody like Gianni, who might be looking for your specific experience and skill set. Exactly. No, I, I completely agree. And I remember you used to tell me that a million times and you were absolutely right. I'm telling you, I, I took your advice because Angie used to just a little uh, glimpse real quick, but Angie always used to when, during our sessions, because we still spoke after you were always like, hey, make sure you're updating your resume, make sure it looks this way. But she, you're absolutely right. And I tell even the candidates I work with, even the ones that I've already placed, like, hey, make sure everything's up to date, because, you know, that's the worst thing. Like when you're a recruiter and you're ready to send someone to a job and you look at the resume oh, it hasn't been updated since 2020. It's like, all right, let's go back. Like, let's do it all over again. So it's definitely really important to make sure everything is is always up to date. Well, and there, you just brought up a good point is that because the recruitment, the relationship of recruiters in the hiring landscape today is what it is, you just gave, and, and, and now, you know, you're a little different. You're more candidate minded than many recruiters out there, not to step on anyone's toes or call anyone out. However, <laughs> In a lot of situations, and I would even say, and sometimes you, if you if you are a candidate and you send a resume that's out of date to a recruiter, you're going to get a pass because the additional time they would need to support you or coach you or just even wait yeah. for the updated resume exactly. is is like a pass onto the next onto the next person. Yeah, it kind of um, shows like all right, this person might not be as serious on their job search as, you know, we thought, you know what I mean? 
So since we're talking about resumes, I wasn't going to talk to you about that. I wasn't even going to ask you this. I didn't think of it, but I'm going to just put you on the spot. So uh, because we're talking about resumes, I would love to know from the horse's mouth how you as a third party recruiter in a high volume situation yep. review resumes. So it's almost like let's debunk or confirm some myths. So uh, some statistics throw, uh, flying out there right now is a recruiter scans maybe up to 200 resumes a day. The, the scan is six to 10 seconds long. And then I'm curious. So I want you to like talk about those two things. And then I also want to talk about when you are scanning, what your like top three things you look at. Okay. That is a great point. Number one, I, I think some of those I can debunk and I can also confirm nor deny some of them. Um, but just to, <laughs> the, the number one thing that way to be Switzerland, maybe so I'm going to play Switzerland a little bit, but the number one, when, you know, especially a lot of the recruiters, you know, is at white cap, we, we look at the first, the top two experience, most recent experience you've had. Right. So let's say I'm looking for someone in a quality assurance role. You're looking at the keywords that match kind of the job title. Right. So if you're looking for someone for a quality assurance position, and then their first role, like if you're looking at a candidate resume and then you see that it's like a little bit different, it kind of gears us like, oh, maybe this person's not as qualified, right? That's why you have to scan really quickly the bullet points and then, you know, make sure that they're, they're fully qualified for the position. So I would say a typical scan would be anywhere between like 20 to 35 seconds for me, at least. I'll go, I'll read through everything really quick. I'll kind of say, all right, is, you know, this is someone we can definitely work with. Or, you know, if I don't really see any relative experience for the positions we're, you know, working with, then we'll, you know, obviously not reach out. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing we look at are the job titles, you know, job titles, and then the first three bullet points of the job. That's, that's, those are the, you know, the top three points are really the most important part of your resume. Like when you have, like, for example, like loan closer, right? And then you have your qualifications kind of written out, you really need to make sure that those top three points, you know, tailor correctly to the job you're applying for. Otherwise, the recruiter might think, oh, you know, this person didn't take the extra mile to kind of make sure that, you know, they, uh, they fully, you know, understand what's expected, you know, so that's, that's kind of what I've, you know, pretty much been through and what everyone here, um, you know, looks at. I would say that with resumes, like if you have more than one page, we're not looking at it. Like that's, that's another thing. Oh, you're killed. That one, you just killed me. I'll tell you that. Uh, I will say though, uh, the most of the other stuff makes sense to me. And to some extent I was like, this is, this is just as validating for me as it is for everybody out there. Uh, however, we tend to follow the two page rule of thumb now. And, but I, but a lot of that might be from the, like the data parsing yes, side is exactly. like put enough in there. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So with the, with like the data parsing, like I would say if you have like over 30 points written out, I, I think that that's what I was, was pretty much referring to with like the multiple pages. If you have like 30 points per job and then it kind of just takes it up, it's like, all right, we're not reading through, you know all of that. And if it's, if it's like two to three, four no pages, wall of bullets, please. Yes. No wall of bullets. Wall of bullets. Your eye won't scan it. The eyeball can't scan we it. Can't, we cannot scan that. Like that is just, that's just too much. So, you know, essentially like when that happens, we'll still call the candidate, but we'll be like, you need to fix your resume. You know what I mean? You need, you really need to narrow down to like the key points. Um, but the data parsing, like I would make sure that when you're making these bullet points, you're not copying job postings. 
or anything that you're seeing, you know, that is that is yes. really, really, really important. Because you know what I do when I first read a resume? I'm like, let me see if this resume is legit. Let me go on Google. Let me type in a couple of the keywords. And, and I believe it or not, I have come across candidates copying certain job postings. And it's like, you're making it obvious to the, the third party recruitment agency. What do you think the, the company that created the posting is going to say? You know? So uh -huh. you got to be yeah, careful. Yeah, there still has to be the interpretation there. Like you may still have the skills that those those bullets represent, but you have to interpret them and put them in and, and say them in your unique way, still re relevant to the context. But I, I love that you brought this up because uh, there's been this article circulating and this is something that I haven't heard in years. And it came up, a client sent it to me and ask, was asking me about it. And then I started seeing it pop up on LinkedIn and everything is this idea of like putting the white copy behind copying the job description yeah. and hiding it in your resume yeah. via white text. And back in the day when like the ATS systems that we're talking about, the data parsers first came out, that was people's workaround. So a lot of those systems started started to to be trained not to scan that kind of stuff. But you also have to think about if like how does that look as a, from an integrity perspective when somebody actually discovers that you've done it right like get get this job based on your merits be thoughtful yeah. be authentic be a human humans still matter hashtag yeah. <laughs> yeah no I think that's a great point I will not like it's hard for me like especially as someone that's going to be vouching for you to even trust you if you're doing that what do you think you're going to do that's it. when you start the job what if you take you know copyright private information from the company or, you know, and you're dishonest about it. Like, I, I think honesty, it sounds super cliche and, and weird, but like honesty, it truly is the best policy. Like if you need help with it, like, you know, fixing the resume to tailor it to a specific job, like talk to a professional, you know, talk to a career coach, have them yeah. kind of, you know, help you tailor it. Like do not like take the own initiative to, you know, copy or take, you know, work that's not yours, you know? It just really, just to kind of Please sum it up, don't. wouldn't want to make me work with you, you know? <laughs> please, and, and please don't take the job description and put it in chat GPT and say, no. please write me a resume for this job description. No. Please don't do that. Please don't do it because it will be, it will look like shit. It will read like shit. It will not be unique to you. So now we're just on a soapbox, which I actually kind of love though, because this is just like validation of the fact that humans are a critical component and that idea that you want to go into a role with trust and honesty at the forefront. The last thing you want to do is make false claims. Apparently, a lot of people lie on their resume. I was shocked to find that out like halfway through my career as a resume writer and career coach. Don't do it because it will always be in the back of your mind whether or not somebody's going to find out. And the, the point I think and the point I want to make to kind of bring this all together is that if you are going to build relationships with recruiters as part of your long-term career development strategy, you have to build that trust because these people, people like Gianni are, they do have that influence over the hiring process. And while a lot of times you see them as a gatekeeper, yeah. oh, I just got to get past this screener. Okay. Maybe that's the case, but what if you got past the screener and you made an ally out of the gatekeeper, right? Yeah. Now you are a much stronger candidate who in a way you've got somebody in your corner who might go to the hiring manager and say, you've got to meet this person. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So there's a lot to be gained by uh, reframing the perspective on how you approach recruiters within a hiring process. Yeah. 
you know, as a whole? No, 100%. I think you just kind of hit it right on the uh, right on the donkey. So I completely agree. I love it. I, I, I think, you know, just to kind of like sum everything up, I, I do think just approach your job search super honestly. Be honest with the recruiter you're working with. They're working for you. You know, they want you to succeed and want you to do well. I think find, again, like find a reputable, you know, company to uh, to kind of represent you. Find a reputable career coach to kind of speak to. I think if you, you're working with both, you know, an agency and a career coach, you're unstoppable. So, you know, I, I think we'll Ooh. instead, yeah, for sure. So, you know, not trying to, not trying to, uh, to market us a little bit, Angie, but um, I was saying, yeah. let's just market us both, right? I love it. <laughs> just let's get it. Let's get a shirt and and just put that on there. Um, but essentially, yeah, like I, I do think you know, don't like go into your job search like blind. Like, don't start just applying blindly. Make sure yeah. you talk to someone that that's been in the industry and knows what they're doing. Yes, and I I'll say the, the what I'll summarize that piece to be is you know even though what we talked about earlier when it comes to forecasts and projections suggests we might be shifting back to a slightly more candidate favored market. I am still seeing the need to be very strategic and always, no matter whether it's a feeding frenzy or not, be prepared and focused and clear on your job search because you'll get somewhere much better than if you're caught behind the eight ball, you don't have a plan, you're shooting stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Exactly. And then you understand better how to engage people like Gianni and, and you know, people like me, if you want me in your process. Exactly. Too. Um, so, you know, plan, prepare and be proactive. And if you're going to network, be authentic about it. And speaking of networking, how do people find you, Gianni? Yep. You can find me right on LinkedIn, Gianni dash Portali. Um, and, you know, obviously follow our Whitecap search page. You'll, you'll see me posted on there quite a bit, as well as my, uh, my colleagues. And feel free to, to obviously reach out to us there. I, I also have Facebook as well, connected through uh, Whitecap search, um, as well as Instagram at Whitecap search. So there you go. And Gianni's a, a trusted part of my network, so you can find him <laughs> through my LinkedIn page. And we will put all of, of the things he just mentioned, including Whitecaps. Wake Up Searches page on uh, on no, no More Mondays in the show notes. Great. And I love this. This was this was like an awesome practical, tactical, like behind the curtain look at sure. hiring process today. And I love it. And I hope if you're job searching, you got something out of this to either validate your current process or give you food for thought on how to optimize what you're doing. And let's give them some more advice. So before we go. Uh, I would love for you to give everybody one more little pearl of wisdom, your number one piece of advice on what everybody out there can do to get one step closer to career satisfaction. One step close. That's a great question. Uh, you almost stumped me there. Um, but the, I would say the number one piece of advice, um, that I would have is make sure you reach out to your personal network before you start your job search right? That can benefit you if you have people like 10, 15 people in your personal network, um, you know, vouching for you, that's more heads that are, you know, obviously trying to help you out. So I think try to reach out to your, you know, your network, see who you currently have and, you know, have them, you know, obviously help you out with, with your job search, you know, just to kind of sum it up. I would just say like, you know, even your mom or dad, like they might know someone who knows someone who knows someone, you know, just always, Always work closest, uh, closest to home. And, you know, you'll have trusted people truly looking out for you. So 
that's my uh, number one word of advice. It all comes back to hashtag humans still matter. But but I'll go one step further in that a lot of times when people are ready to job searching, whether it's because of a layoff and they have to job search or because they're thinking of it, there can be some fear in letting their inner circle know that, right? Oh, I don't want them to know I'm in a bad spot or all that kind of thing. And that is about the worst thing that you can do for yourself because that is your team, right? That's your team who's going to support you. Even if it's even if it isn't directly through connections, they're there to mentally support you through the marathon yeah. that is job searching. So you're doing yourself a disservice if you're avoiding that immediate immediate network as you get started in this. That's an awesome piece of advice. One hundred percent. Yep. And and obviously, just to go back to that, your family and and friends are there through the good, bad, and ugly. So you shouldn't have to uh, to hide anything. So that's my word of advice. If they're gonna judge you for this. Get him out of the inner Get circle. Get him out. Get him, kick him out. <laughs> Throw him to the street. <laughs> oh, Gianni Portale, everybody. I knew this would be a fun conversation. And this went a few places I didn't necessarily plan, but I love it. And I think that we gave a ton of value to people out there, whether you're actively yep. job searching, whether you're considering a job search, or whether you're comfortably in a current role. We really gave you some things to consider on being open and being prepared in case somebody like Gianni comes your way. So I appreciate you and thank you for sharing everything today. Thank you so much. This was awesome. We always love talking to people who have navigated their own career crossroads and landed somewhere pretty sweet and are helping others do the same. And he's in the direct line of fire. So I hope all of you will reach out, connect with Gianni. He's got some great wisdom for 27-year-old. I'll give you that too. So. Uh, Thank you for being part of the No More Mondays movement and giving great advice. Remember, head on over to nomoremondays.info to get all the links and show notes from today's episode. Leave us a five-star rating because how much did we just pack into a, you know, 40-minute episode, everybody? Um, And it's a huge help as I continue to bring you uh, all these inspiring and practical resources. So hit us up at nomoremondays.info, and I will talk to you next week on another episode of No More Mondays. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No More Mondays. Tune in next week as we bring you more insights and actions to help you improve your life and career. Don't forget, visit us online at nomoremondays.info to get all the details, show notes, and recommendation from this episode. No More Mondays, we drop new episodes every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by Career Benders Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit us online at careerbenders.com.